a really great moment or he's never going to come back to youth group again. All right. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is Youth Sunday. And once again, my name is Samuel. And uh, if you don't remember about that by the end of the, end of the sermon, that is okay. What we, want, what we want here for you at Central Assembly is we want you to be connected with God. And that's really what we're going to be focusing in on this morning. And, while, and as the sermon title suggests, we're talking about simplicity, keeping it simple. And the thing is, I like simplicity, but also I like staying busy. Does anybody have that problem? Excuse me, I mean thing in their life, yes? Because <laughs> we live in a nation where the people who do the most seemingly succeed the most. Am I right? The person working from their vacation must be making tons of bucks, buku bucks, right? The, the people who have the most kids must be the best parents. The person who spends all day watching movies must be the best filmmaker, right? right? No, that's not how that works. But th thank you, thank you. I appreciate that, David. Um, but no, obviously that's ridiculous to think, to, to think that if you do the most, you're going to succeed the most in a certain area. It, it, it just makes no sense. It just as much sense as a person that is like, I've seen Die Hard five times. Like, yeah, you're going to make the perfect movie, Oscar. There you go. That's not how that works. But we think this often when it comes to Christianity. When it comes to different Christians, right? We think this often about Brother Todd. I don't really know where that name came from, but and if you are Todd in this room, this is not you specifically, okay? This is not person-specific. But Brother Todd always volunteers he volunteers at three different soup kitchens. He must be spiritual. Sister Valerie is always praying for somebody. Spiritual. And Sister Wilma. Wilma! I, I, I'm sorry, I really don't know where these names came from, okay? But Sister Wilma took communion twice, all right? She's super spiritual, all right? Either that or she's just really hungry. We haven't decided. But we have this idea, if we do more for God, we must be getting closer to him. If personal effort alone got us closer to God, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in deep, deep trouble. I know that from personal experience. See, the fact is, nothing we do on our own moves us closer to Christ. I'll repeat that one more time for us. The fact is, nothing we do on our own moves us closer to God. Our spirituality is completely dependent on Him. When we follow God, great things happen. Amen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sure think so. But we as humans don't like to follow, right? When we follow God, we know that great things can happen. Healing can happen. Oh, yes. I, I've, I've actually witnessed healing happen. Some, uh, we were on a missions trip years and years ago. We were running through the, uh, through the airport right after a girl had sprained her ankle the, the day before. But a bunch of kids from the from missions trip came and prayed over her ankle seven times. Her ankle completely was healed, and she was running with us in the airport the next day. That's complete healing, all right? That's amazing. Yeah, thank you very much. We can, we can clap for that. Yeah. But also something more personal and something that I told, told, told the church family last year was that my mom was on the brink of death this past December. And I have seen her come back completely healthy. 
She had, a car- she had cardiac arrest happen while she was in the house. Her heart stopped for four minutes. Most people don't survive cardiac arrest or heart attack. 20% of people actually survive the initial attack in their homes. Less than that make it to the hospital alive, and even less than that make it out of the whole situation with no brain damage. My mom is all of those, all right? My mom has been completely healed. And not only that, but she went to, she went to work two Fridays after, um, after she uh, had the, the, the incident, is what we really refer to it as in our family. After she had the cardiac, cardiac arrest, she went to work two Fridays after, after it happened. And uh, somebody at work said, okay, so somebody broke their finger and they're off for two weeks. Uh, they're off for a month. Trudy dies and she comes back to work the next day. Okay, I don't know how that works. <laughs> but we know healing happens. When we follow God, great things happen. When we follow God, we know that direction for our life can happen. When I, when I was in college, I was able to follow God's direction. I was able to find myself here. I wanted to go and rebel. I wanted to go my own way. I wanted to be in the Marines. Not that There's nothing wrong with being in the Marines. But I wanted to go that direction because I felt like I couldn't do pastoring. But God steered me back around when I got closer to his heart and said, no, this is what you're supposed to be doing. When we follow God, great things happen. But we as humans don't like to follow. We rebel. We do our own thing. We think we know what we want to do. I thought I wanted to be in the Marines. But God's like, I know, all right? We have this thing called pride. We have this thing in our heart that says, I can have control. It's okay for me to be in control because I have the ability to see the direction of my life. We take the reins of life and go on our way. And when we go on our way, we make these grand plans, right? We make these these huge ideas. We we do these things that are sure to be great. But we end up overcomplicating and mucking up our lives in the process. I have all these great things, and they could be great things, truly. I want to serve more. I, I, I I I want to be in my Bible more. These are good things. When you, when you do it for the sake of doing it, you muck up your life and you overcomplicate. What we need to do is go back to the simplest form of following Christ, which is doing his will. So first, we need to know our purpose for existence. We need to know why we are here. And I'll just go ahead and give it to you, all right? We were created to worship the one true God. Am I right? Okay. And, you, and don't be afraid to get vocal, all right? If, if you get a little whoop-whoop, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Not because of what I'm saying, but because I think that this is incredible, all right? I think that God's word is worth celebrating. So that's just a, it's a side note for you. But we were created to worship the one true God, amen? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. There we go. Revelation 4, 6b we're getting, we're getting technical here. 4, 6b through 11 says, And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. No, this is not a Lord of the Rings movie, all right? <clears throat> we are reading the Bible, so please uh, stick with me. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. No, seriously, this is, this is from the Bible, okay? And the day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So this is a lot of scripture here. This is a lot to unpack. But the core of this is that even these great beasts, straight out of a Tolkien book, all right, even these great beasts knew their place was in front and worshiping God. The 24 elders in heaven before the throne of God knew, oh, we, our faces belong to the ground in front of the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, the one who is holy, our Lord God forever and ever. Thank you, yeah. But we were created to worship the one true God. Even these great beasts knew they were created to worship. All things that were made are for the, glor are for the glorification of God. Psalm 66, 4. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They, pra they sing praises to your name, Selah. That's Psalm 66, 4. Psalm 19, 1. To the choir master, a psalm of David. <clears throat> The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So in, in two psalms right now, we see that the, all the things on earth, all the things in heaven, they praise the name of the Lord. Back to Revelation. Oh, we're going end times now. But Revelation 5, 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Come on, that is awesome stuff right there. Everything that was created, everything on earth, in heaven, was created to glorify God. But we're the exception, of course, right? But we're the people that, like, no, 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 no. God, I'm taking care of it. No, the, no, we're not, the, we're not the exception. We're the standard. God created everything so that we can know our place. The purpose of our whole existence is found in Christ. We are meant to glorify God. Once we accept that, once we accept that our purpose from, comes from God, submission of our control becomes possible. Submission of our control. Why do I put that in quotes? Well, see, control is actually a funny thing that we have in life. Would anybody like to know the literal definition of control? No? I'm going to tell you anyway. The literal definition of control is the power to influence or direct people's behavior or the course of events. The power to influence or direct people's behavior. I know some people want that control, but you don't have it. Or the ability to influence or direct the course of events. I bet you would like that too. I mean, I would. The course of events. Oh yeah, this sermon would be just bombing right now. It's just like, yeah! <laughs> For God's glory, of course, yes. Youth pastor's preaching. I don't, know why, I don't know why you do this to yourself, Pastor Tom. That's, 
But when we have this idea of I'm in control, <laughs> it's so false. You really have the power to influence or direct people's behaviors? You really have the ability to change the course of history? Some people in this room make the argument, well, of course you do. The thing is, you do have the ability to control your own actions, but you can't control somebody else's. And you can't control the whole course of history. Most of us in this room would want to end terrorism across the world right now. But I can't snap my fingers and make that happen. Neither can you. It's outside of our control. Control is a figment of our imagination. So we need to understand that our purpose comes from God because then it's easier to lay down that non-existent control that we think we have. It's easier, easy, it's easier for us to realize, okay, if our purpose is in God, then he will truly direct us too. Because spoiler alert, you don't have control. If you didn't get that already, you, here it is. You don't have control. There it is. We think if we do more, we might be able to gain control. You, you, can't, get, you can't have control. Why am I saying this, saying this with such passion? Because I'm speaking to myself. I would love to be able to control my life, the direction it goes. I would love for the wedding to be planned immediately with no, no effort on my part, or, or Amanda's, because I love you so much. But no, that, that needs to happen. So, in order to gain control, in order to make this happen, right, what do we do? We do a lot more things in order to think that we have control. Okay, okay, I, 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 if I do this and this and this, I control more of the, more of the atmosphere. I control more of the world. And then if, if I do all these things, then I have the influence to make it all happen the way I want to. Now, who thinks that way here? Don't raise any hands because it's most, most likely at least half of you. I say that lovingly, okay? But we think that if we do more, we can gain control of our lives. Not only is this untrue, it's a bunch of baloney. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Thank you, Oscar Mayer. Because when we, when we accumulate more in our lives... All we do is make a mess messier. We need to learn the value of less. We need to learn the value of simplicity. For some, they think following Christ is serving 20 hours a week at a homeless shelter, being part of the prayer team at church, and ushering on a Sunday morning. By the way, I love our ushers. They're so amazing. But if I do all these things, I'm following Christ. Are these things inherently wrong? No. No, in fact, actually, we love our ushers, like I just said. If you're, if you're volunteering 20 hours a week at a homeless shelter, more power to you. I, I have a huge amount of respect for you. And also, being a part of the prayer team is very important, too. I don't want to discount any of this. But it's not, it's not the way to follow Christ, Right? Sure it's, sure, it's the opportunity to serve. It's the opportunity to show him we love him. Sure, it's the opportunity to be able to express our worship to him. But it's not the way we follow God. It's not the purpose that we exist. 
Others might think to follow Christ, you must study the Bible for two hours a day and memorize ten verses a week and lead a Bible study. Is this wrong? No. Once again, it's actually very impressive, okay? But it's not the way to follow Christ. Doing more is not the way we grow closer to God. For, for anybody in this room that might need to hear that again, doing more is not the way we grow closer to God. In fact, it's actually a trap that can derail us from living a healthy life in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is my uh, depression medication. It's called fluoxetine. Take a pill of this every morning, right after my breakfast. I eat kashi cereal, it's really great. No, I'm not a spokesperson for him. It's just really good. It's just that good. <laughs> then I, ha I uh, take one of, these, one, of these one of these little meds. Right here. A little blue pill. Some know I used to struggle with depression a lot in high school. For six years, I thought I had beaten it. Six years, I thought I, if I kept doing more, I'd be able to escape it and find fulfillment. See, my depression, depression can be different for other people. It can be situational, it can be chemical, it can be, it can be caused by different roots in life. So just as a little thing, you know, mental, mental illness is a very serious thing. I take it very seriously because I, I struggle with it. But for six years, I thought the answer for the depression was to continue to escape it and find fulfillment in doing more. If, if I'm able to serve more people, if I'm able to do more things, if I'm able to please God in a greater way, then I must be doing my life, my life's work. I'm, I must be living life to the fullest. It's not bad to desire fulfillment, Okay? It is bad when you make fulfillment your sole reason for serving God. Now, some of you might be going like, but I want to feel fulfilled in God. That's good. It's good to feel fulfilled in God. It's not good to feel fulfilled simply in serving God. If I do more for Jesus, then my life is complete. If I, if, if I serve more, then my life is complete. No. Because you're no longer serving to glorify the King of Kings. You're serving to find purpose and happiness. Your happiness doesn't come from God anymore. Your service is no longer a reflection of your worship. It's no longer a form of worship to reflect your love, rather. Now it's your service is your happiness. But that will run dry. Because you're circumventing the, the, one, the one who your whole life hangs on. You're trying to go, you're trying to skip a stage. You're, you're trying to go from love, you're, tr you're trying to go from service to happiness. But really, service is to show your love that you already have for Christ. Now, I, I did do a lot in six years. 2013 to 2019. I did do a lot in six years. So, are those things discounted because I did them for the wrong reason? No. Thank you, Jesus, for that. 
Because 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So thankfully, I know that at least my work was hopefully used for the glory of God, even if my reason for doing it was personal gratification. But my life was being set up for a major crash. Because I couldn't keep serving to find fulfillment when my fulfillment is meant to be found in him. So January of this year, 2019, marked the breaking point. It marked a, a time where I, I, needed, I, I started struggling so much with depression. Because for six years, I thought I had beaten it. For six years, I thought that I, I, I was going to live in victory, that God had taken it away from me. Not that he can't do that. Not that he can't do that. But he just hadn't. I was ignoring the problems, what I was doing. So I, so I was living for six years apart from the idea that I actually had depression. But in January of this year, I wanted it to, to all end. I just got into a deep, deep hole. A hole that where I thought that I was worthless, that anything that I did was meaningless that all the people that I loved, I let down. That as it is, I know that some of you in this room can feel that too. So I spiraled into a deep depression where I felt as though I could not live up to the expectations of others that others had of me and that I had of myself. In February of this year, I gave up. And uh, I'm not going to go into details. It's not important. What is important is that I called Pastor Tom in the midst of my darkness there, and he came and got me, and he took me to the hospital. And I went to the hospital for a couple days in the ER over at Duluth. And from there, I went to Brainerd and spent a couple, times, a couple days in the hospital there. I was re rehabilitated and able to return home. And thankfully, things looked better. I just had no idea how I was going to restart. But God helped me realize over time that it wasn't about my service. He doesn't want me just for what I do. He wants me for who I am. My happiness does not come from what I do. My happiness does not come from the more I do. Come on. Sometimes we think just getting more things, doing more jobs, being able to pray more or being able to serve more, that is my answer. That is my fulfillment. No. Been there, done that. It's not the right answer. And this has nothing to do with the sermon. I just like saying this part of the story. The day after I got out of the hospital, Pastor Tom brought me home. Pastor Tom and Rhonda, I love those two so much. We have a great leader here at Central Assembly. That's right. But then the day after, um, uh, I was invited to lunch by Amanda Peterson. Um, and uh, she was the first person to 
that besides Pastor Tom and Rhonda, my family, to let, just kind of ask, like, how's it going? What's going on with you? And uh, that was very important to me. And now we're getting married, so that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so she was able to look past all of the junk, because she knew that I went to the hospital to be, to be, uh, be re- rehabilitated for depression, and she still saw past all that, but now we're getting married. So that's where we go, aww, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. I love you so much. Once again, that has nothing to do with the sermon. You know, I just, I just enjoy telling that part of the story because she's amazing. All right. But some might see that as a sad story, except for the ending, of course. But I see this as, a, as God showing me my need to relinquish control and realize what is most important. My purpose, my fulfillment, my value is not found in the amount of good things I can accomplish or provide. It's found in God himself. My purpose, my fulfillment, my personal happiness, all found in him and him alone. Not what I do for him. It's simply him. Our purpose is not to do more for Christ. Our purpose is to glorify him and do his will. Simplicity. That's the name of the sermon. I just worked that in. Did you see that? But it's time to let God take over. Once we give him the ability to direct us, things become so free. It's no longer, what do I need to do to please God? Instead, we say, God, you direct my steps. You direct my service. It's no longer, what else can I do? God, I need to please you. How can I please you? It's no longer asking how. Asking God, when? I'm, I'm following you. I know that you're going to put me in the position in order to serve you wherever I walk. Not how, looking down, God, I need to serve you, but rather, you tell me the, tell me the place. You tell me when and where. We find this model in Philippians 3, 7 through 10. A passage often ironically entitled, The Mark of a True Christian. Philippians 3, 7 through 10 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Here's my favorite part here. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not doing my own thing, not trying to work so that I can become better. No. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Meaning that I believe that God is the one who's making me better. I can't earn that. I can't work towards that. I can't continue to find my happiness and fulfillment in what I do. I can't make myself better. I find it in God. I find that in God. The rest of the verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Ooh, I like that. And may share his sufferings. Ooh, I don't like that so much. Becoming like him in his death. What? That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So you're saying that 
Hey, Paul, level with me here. You're telling me that life on this earth is not as important as I crack it up to be? Okay, well, nobody yelled at me right there, so obviously like, we must be on a, on a good track here. But no. Paul says that he's working by any means possible to attain the resurrection from the dead so he can be with the one that he loves, God, the king of the universe for the rest of, his, the rest of eternity. That is what's most important. Can't work our way to God by doing, doing good things. We can only allow God to make us better and use us for his glory. This is my challenge for us this morning. Follow God simply. Follow God simply. What if we lived our lives saying, what do you want me to do, God? What if we knew that we loved Jesus so much that all we had to do was say, God, I just need you to direct me. It's not about we going off on our own direction, going like, this is what I need to do in order to please God. God, don't worry. I, I read your Bible. I heard all the sermons, okay? I'm prepped. I'm ready to go. That's not Holy Spirit directed. That's gut instinct. Woo, going this way. I'm sorry. I'm just really giddy right now. But what if we lived our lives day to day going, I love God so much. How, God, whatever you want me to do. You tell me what to do. You provide the opportunities. You give the direction. Instead of just going off on this little direction, I know what I need to do. No. God, you tell me what you need me to do. Instead of doing what we think makes God happy, why don't we ask him? Be in a mindset where life doesn't have to be crazy in order for you to know that you love God. Let me repeat that one more time. Be in the mindset where you know that life doesn't have to be crazy for you to know that you love God. Meaning, no, you don't have to be chasing your tail in order to be righteous. No, you don't have to be going, running around in a billion different directions in order to find happiness. It's right in front of you. God is right here, right now, and he's always with you. We think that we can circumvent the one who created us. We think that we can go around him in order to get to happiness. Take control of our own lives and be the, be the determiner of our own destiny. Follow God simply. Follow God. You don't have to overcomplicate things. You don't have to provide more. Just follow God simply. Let that be your challenge this week. Don't jump at every first thing you can do to come across as spiritual. Don't jump at every certain thing in order to go like, okay, I need to prove myself to God. Instead, discover God's will and carry that out. Last year, I tried chasing my tail, 2018. I tried chasing my tail to do more with youth group. We had the, we, we spent hundred, like literally hundreds of man hours on preparing for our Christmas party last December. Now, it was pretty cool, I'm not gonna lie. 
and all the work for my youth leaders and all the students that were involved with that, were, it was incredible. But we had the same amount of students as we usually do. That was not a problem to me. It's not about numbers on a day-to-day basis. That party, though, was supposed to be an opportunity for new people to experience a positive atmosphere. So when no new people were there, a bit of disappointment set in. Why? I was following my own self. I was following my own direction. I thought I knew what I needed to do in order to make God happy. More specifically, make me happy. only I would have stopped and said, God, what do you want me to do? only I would have stopped and allowed the Holy Spirit to take over rather than try to do everything myself and realize that I always come up short. Discover God's will and carry that out. But Samuel, how do I know God's will? Well, let me give you two little tidbits of information right you ready for this? Number one, read his word. Oh, Samuel, we saw that coming. <laughs> Way to be original, Samuel. I really appreciate nothing. All right, but this is No, but for real. You have to know God's heart to know his will. Amen? You have to know how God thinks in order to know, in order to be able to hear and determine, oh, that, he does want me to do that. Because if you, if you rob a bank and go like, God told me to do it, eh, you crazy. That's, that's how that works. You have to know God's heart to know his will. The more you know his heart from scripture, the easier it will be to know his voice in your life. Number one, read his word. Know his heart. Number two, then be sensitive to his direction. Some of you in this room are going to go like, okay, I already got the first one. <laughs> Out of my mind. Be sensitive. Okay, be sensitive to this direction. Once again, how do we get here in the first place? We tried circumventing loving God in order to get straight to happiness. No. This is a two-step process, all right? Buy now and get one free. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but number one, read his word. Number two, be sensitive to his direction. Don't muddle your ability to listen to God by always being busy, even with good stuff. I got to get to Bible study. I got I to gotta get to church. I got to get to Wednesday night. Oh, oh, my word. I forgot a kid at home. Like, like yeah. <laughs> All you're doing is just making more work for yourself. It's not like, you're, it's like, God, it's not like God's up there smiling, going like, you're almost doing as much as I want you to do. No, that's, that's not how God is. He loves you for who you are, where you are at. He just wants you to recognize the fact that he, that he loves you right now. But pray often and allow time to, take, to simply take in what things and opportunities God has already given to you. What opportunities has God already given you right in front of your face right in front of you every single day that you can be working with in order to give him glory. It's not like you have to do something super special. Honor him. Your kids are right in front of you. When's the last time you've actually sat down with them and had an opportunity to go over a scripture with them? Some of you in this room have, and 
great. I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm thankful for that model of parenting. Some of you, maybe, it's just gotten busy. You've even gotten busy with church stuff. Your kids are right in front of you. Your students, my students, that are, are your kids, are right in front of you. Love on them. More importantly, love on them as Christ would love on them. What about your friends, people right next to you? People in the workplace? These are opportunities to serve God right where you're at. Before even doing that, though, where's your heart? Are you doing it to feel fulfilled? Are you doing it to truly love the one true king? You don't need more. You don't need more. You need the richness of simplicity that God can provide to your life. You need to relinquish control. You need to surrender. I'd like the connect group leaders to please come forward. You're going to be praying with some people right now. We're going to go into another song here in a moment. But during this moment, I want you to think specifically, okay? Right now, I want you to be able to, to pray and ask God, either A, I've never surrendered my life ever to God, and I need Jesus right now. If that's you, I want you to come and pray with one of these Connect Group leaders. If, if you've never given your life to Christ, and you're like, okay, Samuel was talking about happiness. Samuel was talking about fulfillment, but he was talking about finding that in God. I need him. I need Jesus. If you need Jesus this morning, please come and pray with one of our Connect Group leaders. They would be happy to pray with you so that you can find Jesus. So number one, if you've never known Jesus, you've never surrendered to him in your life. You've never relinquished control to him ever in your life. It's your opportunity to do so. But number two, if you are here this morning, you, you have Jesus, you know him, but you, but you can't seem to let go of that control that you think you have. You can't seem to let go of all these different things that you have your fingers in. You keep on thinking, if only I do more, if only I do more you feel like you're in a pit and you just can't seem to get out this morning please come and pray with one of our connect group leaders pray the prayer of God give me simplicity I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into another song here let's pray Jesus thank you for your love thank you for all that you do for us God pray that you continue to work in our lives. Continue to show us what you have for us. God, we can't do this life on our own. Even if we think we have the control to do so, it's not about us. It's all about you. Help us to relinquish whatever control we think we have to you right now. Help us to surrender our lives completely to you live simply in you, Jesus. We love you. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you guys want to pray, please come forward. We're going to go into another song as well.